0: Welcome to AllThingsNew.Tech, where we are exploring the intersection of theology and technology. Technology is changing our jobs, relationships, and even our identities. It's easy to get excited about all the new things, but as Christians, we also believe that God is redeeming this world through His effort, making all things new. This podcast features conversations with entrepreneurs, technologists, and innovators— Examining how technology transforms our understanding of God, His creation, and what it means to be human. Today, Paul Taylor from All Things New is talking with Paul Lee, the founder of Threadloom, a startup aiming to identify and highlight content experts amidst the vast array of information within internet forums. We hope you enjoy the conversation.
1: Well, my name is Paul. I'm a pastor in the Bay Area in Palo Alto. I've Got a background in engineering, studied that in college. I worked in software development for seven years at a big tech company here in the Bay Area before going into ministry. The goal of this podcast is really to explore these questions that technology is raising for our world from a Christian perspective. So we kicked this off maybe about six months ago and... The hope is really to gather people, Christians, from all sorts of different perspectives, scholars, pastors, theologians, in an effort to have more conversation about the ways technology is changing our lives, changing our world, and what that means from a biblical perspective. I'm here with Paul Lee, who is an old friend of mine and a startup founder, had a long career in technology. Paul, you were at one of the first meetings that I had where we started talking about the importance of doing this and something clicked with you. You resonated with the need for this. What was it originally that made you excited about this, thinking it was worthwhile?
2: I think the first thing that caught my attention was that um, the discussion centered around creating the discourse and getting people to talk about the intersection of faith and technology. And there were specific issues um, that you and I think uh, several other people in the room were throwing around um, questions around AI, humanity, CRISPR, um, what we would do as as people with this kind of power, um, and what that would enable us to do, but also kind of what kind of questions and responsibilities um, mm-hmm. that would open up. And <clears throat> I thought, I don't know if I ever sure this with you, but I thought at the time, oh, like... I know people who are actually wanting to talk about these types of questions too. Um, But there's no forum venue uh, place for them to have this conversation. Uh, Not just with people who, who are incidentally interested in it, but with people who actually practice in those fields. And uh, I think that's what that really intrigued me. I mean, hearing Scott uh, talk about CRISPR, right. And, him having invested in this space and looked at this field for a lot of years, uh, I thought it was fascinating. So I think that's the first thing that caught my attention. I mean, there was, there was a lot more afterwards, but that was the first thing I was like, wow, this is, this is actually really, really interesting. And I think I don't really see this elsewhere right
1: now. And when you say you know people, I'm assuming you're talking not just about believers, but about people in technology space that are wrestling with questions of what do we do with this power that we've accumulated for ourselves
2: or, and also people who are in between. Mm. Um, yeah, I have a friend who, uh, has, you know, wrestled with his faith, um, and, you know, has explored different avenues. And a lot, I think of, uh, questions around his identity as a Christian is how, how would a Christian, how would Christ respond to this? Mm. Is that credible? Is that something I believe in? Um, and so I, I think of that friend and I think, wow, this could um, help that person maybe find, um, maybe not answers, but at least help them understand how these questions um, relate to the Bible and maybe give signposts and guides as to uh, what, how Jesus and how uh, Scripture speaks into those issues today.
1: Yeah, that's something that's occurred to me a lot, that people are wrestling with technology And I've become convinced that one of the biggest fears people have for technology is that it'll threaten our humanity. You hear a lot of people talking about it, it taking something away. Mm -hmm. And yet there's not a lot of agreement on what it means to be human, Mm -hmm. about what our humanity is and what parts of it we're afraid might be threatened by technology. Mm -hmm. From a biblical perspective, I think we as Christians have some convictions about what it means to be human Mm -hmm. that are really beautiful and powerful and compelling for the world as a model of the value and dignity of humanity and our contribution and our place in the world.
2: Yeah. uh, I mean, a word that's been in my mind a lot lately. I mean, our, the startup that uh, I work on um, is dealing with quality content online. And uh, a lot of people ask me why we're doing this and they, and they think it's about the content. It's really for me, not about the content. It's about the people. And the reason it's about the people is the word that's been resonating in my mind for the past years is the word dignity. Hmm. And this feeling that, like, as the internet grows, the arc of the internet has essentially, which it started around community, but the arc now is around commercialism. right? And uh, the trade-off isn't just people's time. It's actually, I think, people's humanity and dignity is being traded off. And I think nowadays, uh, when people hop online and they start to interact with uh, people or organizations or institutions or entities, um, I think most people leave, uh, certainly I do, feeling a little less dignified, a little less valued, um, not really feeling a sense of like, wow, my worth was ratified through that interaction, right? right? Uh, you know, on you know website X. It's kind of like I, I feel used a little bit, kind of exploited, and I think to myself, like the most valuable thing that's out there right now is the knowledge that's inside people's uh, minds and their hearts, the experiences they've gone through, and uh, that's not really translating onto this fabric of the internet right now. And uh, and I think about like um, my personal faith. I think the thing that strikes me the most in the Bible is when Jesus has a one-to-one encounter with the centurion, with, you know, the faithless XYZ, with in an apostle. And in those one-on-one experiences, I mean, the fact that, you know, the God of the universe as man would spend time with one person right. to encourage them in their faith, it's pretty awesome. Uh, but that kind of encouragement and that edification, I don't even really see online right now. And, and I, I think that there's, there's something there. And I think there's there's an opportunity for us to... To use these tools in order to actually build people up versus just exploit them.
1: just want to point out that you raised the sophistication of our podcast immediately by saying XYZ instead of XYZ. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that. That, that makes us sound... It's the annoying. value of a
2: college education. <laughs> it totally is. I, I appreciate that.
1: So you brought up the startup that you're working on. to so, Tell me a little bit more, kind of. You know, you're a founder. I was
2: bait, by the way. You went for it. So. <laughs> it Total <laughs> bait. Yeah. I'm
1: hook line and sinker, but you know, you've given your two minute elevator pitch. <laughs> right. Tell us what is Threadloom all about. Simple, simple explanation.
2: Uh, so we're we're using forum content to rank uh, uh, information about hobbies and verticals on the internet, and our view is that the internet right now ranks content based on. Uh, either popularity or money, uh, in other words, an ad bid. And we believe there's a better way to rank content, not by dismissing those things outright, but by augmenting them um, and actually putting in first place uh, a measure of quality. And we believe that in order to do that, you need um, a set of data that's been around for a very, very long time across many different verticals and that has some um, data integrity and some... Uh, integrity of uh, accuracy and of sourcing and uh, can be ratified and and audited, um, which uh, form data provides. And so that's what we're doing. We're starting there and we want to apply those models to the rest of the internet.
1: Your uh, intro video for your company talks about the internet having an authenticity problem. Yes. And it seems to me from, from a Christian perspective that Christians are historically very interested in truth mm-hmm. so there's this there's this idea that God is God and He has created us and he has revealed certain aspects of knowledge to us mm-hmm. that are only accessible really through revelation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because we're not capable of discovering them on our on our own and For centuries, Christians have been concerned about what is true and what is false, true Mm -hmm. teaching, false teaching. And so it strikes me some of what you're doing is looking at this massive body of information that's Mm -hmm. contained in the Internet. Mm -hmm. And you're not using the language of truth. You're talking about accuracy Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. authenticity. But what are you looking for? Are you looking for truth? Or are you,
2: yeah. talk about that. What? Yeah. So we, we actually used to use the word truth. We do, we do still time to time. And uh, uh, I, I think truth works. I think, I think the reason why we use it last right now, or I, I use it last or I didn't use it right now, is because a lot of times when people hear truth, they think, oh, you're, you're just dealing with objective information. Like, you're, you're, you're not going to deal with the realm of subjective information. And the realm of object information has been solved by Wikipedia and Google, et cetera. Uh, whereas, really, our main focus is on subjective information, um, answers that are based in experience. And that's what we're, we're focusing on. So I, I like to say accuracy is not even really the right word, but I think it's around more around expertise and really kind of the, the, the testimony of somebody who's been through a certain experience um, <clears throat> being able to basically speak from that experience and say, Hey, uh, I, I number one, have domain experience and I have a uh, firsthand experience in a specific kind of question that you have, whether it's, what's the best loft bed desk for my kid? Um, or, uh, how do I get this bike rack onto my car? What's the best bike rack for this you know, vehicle? Or I'm going to go off-roading, what do I need to do, et cetera? Like, you need two things in there, right? You need to understand the domain. You need to have lived that and been through that. And then you can output a certain set of uh, opinions or perspectives or advice. And that's really what we're, we're starting with and going after. And, and that's what we think hasn't been solved. But it's interesting. I mean, the person is a really key ingredient in that, right? Like to have someone speak to you versus uh, you know a generic guide that's not really contextualized and and doesn't really understand where you're coming from two very different experiences and the quality of information you get from somebody who's been where you've been and understands the problem that you're trying to solve is, is radically different from, you know, somebody who generally has domain experience, but doesn't understand your specific problem.
1: Yeah. That's really interesting. What do you think about this analogy? I was thinking about what you do and we're studying Proverbs right now. And I was, listening to this Proverbs 1 20, 21 says wisdom cries aloud in the street in the markets she raises her voice at the head of the noisy streets she cries out at the entrance of the city gates she speaks and the image there seems to be of this noisy chaotic city environment but then piercing through that noise is some valuable and here it's wisdom which I think is a different than truth it it seems to me it's a little closer to what you're looking for it's Mm -hmm. experience-based knowledge and you're also talking about the importance of relationship and so proverbs is is often presented as, as a father speaking to his son someone with experience speaking to someone else it's not just information it's not just data but it's from a personal life experience to another person with life does that resonate with like I mean, are are you looking for wisdom on the internet?
2: Yeah, I mean, gosh, I wish you know I'd actually gotten some sleep last night and I'd be able to remember this a little bit better. But about a year year and a half ago, um, uh, I spent a little bit of time with a Christian author who pulled me aside and was basically uh, had heard you know the pitch about our our company and what we're trying to do, and he was basically saying, um, you know, in Jewish tradition, if I remember this correctly that um, when they were teaching wisdom, like wisdom wasn't separate from some set of experiences and from this idea that basically you know what to do with the truth in context. So I think that the definition he gave me, if I remember correctly, was wisdom, as he had studied it, is basically knowing when to apply truth Mm -hmm. in context, right? And so there's a judgment call in there, right, about, uh, you know, when to, you know, Uh, you know apply certain amount of force in certain situations or to press the accelerator you know it depends on the the type of road you're on and the weather conditions and so on and so forth and you kind of develop that understanding that expertise based on a certain set of conditions now of course that could all be reduced into an algorithm at some point right And, and that's a separate i don't know if you want to go there but i think that's interesting because that's kind of that's another image right so there's multiple images here, which is you know, something we've talked about the before. The self-driving car image, will, yeah. will it be wise? Right, right. Because yeah. the self-driving car image, is, <laughs> it, it's an image. The self-driving algorithm, uh, you know, as I understand talking to friends who work in industry, it's an image that's made, it, it's made in the image of drivers, right? It, it doesn't right. train off of um, – you, because, because you need to teach a self-driving car to drive or have it drive in real-world conditions, and the real world doesn't follow um, a strict set of rules. It actually needs to learn from people in the real world, right? So it's it's really ironic. And 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 so the output is actually an algorithm that's actually derived from flawed humans who are navigating this, this complex world and terrain because it, it went off the path from, you know, the blueprint and the diagram of what was supposed to be on the roads. Um it's similar to this, you know, question that a friend asked uh, a few weeks ago at work, and, and she doesn't work in our company, but you know, getting to know her, she works in the same space, she's another entrepreneur, and she says, you know, I was thinking about your company, and I was like, in a couple of decades, and well, I, I thought decades, but she was saying in a couple of years, and I thought that was pretty aggressive. She's like, you're not going to need the people.
1: Huh.
2: You'll be able to generate answers to subjective questions from people. We had this big debate about, oh, okay, well, will it move that fast, and will we be able to train it that quickly, and will the answers be authentic, right? Um, you know, in, in an old job, I remember this, this guy who compiled books by algorithmically, you know, just kind of collecting website information, Wikipedia information, and he would, he would uh, create books on demand that you could, you could order about any topic. But you would read the book and obviously it was clearly fake. And that, uh, clearly that's going to get better. And so I, I thought of that example. Was, we were debating about the time. But, but ultimately, I said, yes, at some point, that's probably true. But that answer, I thought to myself, whatever the answer we create is really uh, either a derivative or you know an agglomeration or, or some kind of – it has some relation to some human, some set of people – That it learned from right there's 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 not really a set of facts in wikipedia that we're going to train against in order to give an answer to uh you know give me some advice on how to create um i I want to be a carpenter and how to basically create an awesome desk for my kids how to get started on that right oh you know it's kind of like okay well how old are your kids and you know what's a level of your what's your skill level, and you know what kind of wood do you have, and what's the environment you're in, da, da, da. and you know is this desk going to you know, be exposed to the elements? You know where do you live, all that kind of stuff. All that kind of stuff just it comes from people who have experience doing that, which I think is, anyways. I So there.
1: there's a tension here though, because on the one hand you're saying we're not about the content, we're not about I just want to do something. I need step by step instructions. You say you're about people, and the question that this woman asked strikes me as right at the heart of what we're began talking about dignity and humanity. You know, mm-hmm. your technology right now is, it's trying to find the wise old sage in the village mm-hmm. amidst the noisy streets. Mm-hmm. So that when I have a question about my toilet or my car or whatever, I can sort through all the information and find someone to help me. Yeah. Not just the answer. Yeah. But then does that technology that leads me to a relationship in whether it's several years or several decades mean the people are no longer necessary?
2: So, uh, I have this belief. There's a core belief behind our company that, um, everybody has a innate deep desire to be heard. Um, and to be listened to. And I think this is especially true for um, people who have wisdom to share. It, it's almost like it's it's coming out of them, yeah. And and they want to they want to give this to people. They don't want to sell it, right? It's an entirely different fundamental exchange. And this was like a huge learning point for me, where I, I thought there could actually maybe one day be this marketplace of information. But but really, I would speak to a lot of these people, and they're like, no, I. I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't participate if I were being paid for this information right It's really interesting yeah so they want to distribute they want to share it Now the way that the internet's set up today is uh, entirely incompatible with that motivation
1: because it's all commercialized That's right
2: because the way information increasingly is distributed because the aperture at which, information is synchronizing across all the different parties on the internet is so wide now it's in real time and the bias behind most of the way information is ranked today um, is towards recency as a result if you take time to think thoughtfully about something and kind of you know uh, compose a thoughtful response uh, by the time you get it out uh, it's inundated and overwhelmed uh, with other information and so this is this sense of of the noise out there uh, uh, I think is very real with the dominant platforms. Now, the, the weird thing that's happened is like we're in, I don't know what web we're in. We're like in web 4.0 or something? I like track. People stop talking about it right after 3. I don't know where we are. Maybe we're at web 8. Yeah. I just missed it. All right. Okay, so we're web in web X. something. Web X. Maybe yeah, maybe. Web X. <laughs> so... So there's that arc that's been going on and and the web's been growing and you can argue whether or not the second derivative is positive or negative and which way the the web is increasing. But like the people that we work with in these communities, they're like on a completely different plane. Like it's it's really weird, a different dimension that's not evolving in the same way. They're in a world where there's still room for thoughtful replies and responses. There's... uh, There's accountability, and I have a a talk I give sometimes to people who are asking me, what are these communities like? And basically, it really focuses um, around three things. I use an example of the Charlottesville protest. I say they have an accountability of sources, of logic, and of respect. And so there are these key elements in there that allow these conversations to occur. And um, interestingly, and I, I, I don't think it's a coincidence, But the top experts, the people who are most knowledgeable, who have the most to share, are in those communities still. And, you know, communities like, you know, subreddits are kind of in between uh, those communities, I think, and and the major platforms. But uh, elsewhere, there's really not a place for them. And they don't find an audience for what they have to say. I was reading a study that 73% of upvotes, uh, 73-74% of upvotes on Reddit, no one actually reads the article right they click upvote before they actually click on it and i've done it too right it's like oh interesting title right cool upvote. right that sounds like that sounds cool um and so we're kind of tuned into this world which is react first think later yeah and uh uh you know it's it's that's essentially what we're trying to counter but 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 how do you actually sort through this information how do you cut through the noise when everything on these major platforms has been geared uh, towards basically getting the information out as quickly as possible towards that will get the most clicks, get the most eyeballs eyeballs and, irrespective of quality and earn the most money and earn the most money so
1: it 's interesting because yeah. you're you're suggesting that we have this technological framework, the internet, that is a technology that we 've built, and what has resulted is that the information there is is prejudiced towards information that earns money and that comes out quickly. And then you're finding these people in communities and forums that don't want to make money and they want to take their time and spend thoughtful effort thinking through issues. They want to take, you know, maximize their life experience. And so the very things that make their information valuable, that make it wisdom, are the very things that make it hard- hard to access I mean, yeah. the fact that they are yeah. they have purer motivations. They just want to share what they've learned. They don't want to make money and they want to do it slowly and thoughtfully. But, but what strikes me is that there's nothing inherent about the internet that, that favors no. monetization and speed. It's just, it's our human values. We've put that in there. So here's a technology that has technological problems and you're hoping to create another technology that solves those problems
2: right so uh uh stewart butterfield uh uh founder of slack um i was watching the interview he gave and i found this pretty fascinating he was asking this question he's like you know he grew up with you know bolton board systems and download modem, same as i did and i I found it intriguing he gave this very succinctly put it i thought really well he said why was it that in the early days of the internet when there were only like ten thousand people online that like everyone was so helpful and like it was so like right. such a great community. Right. Yeah. And now we have like billions of people online and it's such kind of a nasty place and like yeah. really, really noisy and kind of useless. The analogy that um, my co-founder and I used to use early on was um, like network routers. So this is, you know, for like technology oriented people listening, like the tech practitioners, you know, you've got packets that are moving, you know, from, you know, some source to like, you know a client, and they need to go through. Uh, you know you can put it through a switch or through a router. If it goes through a switch, right? It's basically just being distributed and broadcast across the network, um, which is kind of like the internet today. Which is someone's putting out information. They they're yelling as loud as they can. They're getting their website ranked as high as they can. They're buying ads wherever they can, and and you know certain major companies uh, are are those routers and they say, hey, you want some more of someone's attention, <laughs> right? Uh, pay a little bit more and I'll put a priority f- flag or tag on that packet. I'll give it a little boost. It's kind of like giving it a megaphone. Right. And I'll just yell a little bit louder and get get people's attention a little bit more. I'll put it at the top. Yeah. Right? And we've been noticing that uh, if you study the the average position of an ad in you know some you know mainstream search engine it's been moving from four to close to one over the last eight, nine years, right? So it's creeping up the average position, uh, higher exposure for, for ads, and more ads out there as well. And, intre- and interestingly, when I talk to people in the ad industry, they are performing worse, right? Like we're, we're kind of getting hard into this. And one of the big questions that, that we had was, um, are, have people lost their sensitivity? to quality like are we just inured to it? like is it just all about what's popular and we don't eat, we can't even recognize like good food anymore right? right so we ran this experiment and anyways long story short it, it was very we just put two algorithms side by side a popularity based one and quality based one and kept everything else standard on one of our products and the quality based one performed uh, outperformed the popularity based one uh, by twofold and it was like this huge relief inside of me where it's like Whew. Okay, we haven't lost our sense of of what is quality and what isn't.
1: People actually want,
2: yeah, and, and
1: authenticity and quality.
2: And so, what 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 the analogy that we use is: let's swap out that uh, that switch, right, with with a router that can actually route the packets to the specific destinations they're trying to get to. And now it's no longer a shouting competition; it's a competition for who has the most thoughtful thoughtful information. But it's not even the competition, really. It's it's helping people find their audience, right? And this includes, uh, you know, my co-founder makes fun of me for this one, but, I, you know, I, Jenny, my wife, had an experience uh, that actually was almost exactly this. Uh, you know, a nonagenarian, you know, 90-year-old, plus-year-old patient, World War II pilot, the last surviving bomber pilot from his squadron, right? Um, you know, living in a nursing home, and I think to myself the information and experience that he has, like where does it go? Where does it go now while he's alive? Where does it go when he passes? Like who out there in the world would be interested in this? Like how do you facilitate this interaction? How do you reaffirm um, a person not just based on what they're able to produce but based on what they've experienced and who they are, whether it's good or bad, right? And then connect them to other people. And you know what? There's not really a good platform for that today. There's, I, I think of the major platforms like, they don't really enable that and
1: facilitate that
2: because it is a competition for right now at least who uh, can produce the most content the most quickly in a way that will draw the most clicks
1: and the most popularity. So this yeah. this 90 year old person with this wealth of knowledge, you know, maybe they start a podcast, but it's only valuable if it reaches a certain level right. and gains a certain popularity and climbs right. the ad rankings and but really they just want to tell their stories. Yeah. And their stories are worth hearing, not because they're, you know, remarkable or or something unique, but they're just they're true, they're real and they're from an experience. And
2: and and, and I would go further and, and argue that everybody, regardless of whether they they know what a forum is or even if whether they're online or not. That everybody has something that's worth hearing.
1: Yeah, we, I work with a organization that that uh, advocates for foster care among Christians, and one of the phrases we use is "Every story matters to God," mm-hmm. and which is just mind boggling to think of that. That's really true that every individual's story matters to God, but then does it matter? To us, and how can we value each other's stories, which is fascinating to me that you're trying to use technology to, to deepen relationship, to deepen real one-on-one, restoring human dignity, finding the value in people rather than just my worth is only based on what I can produce or what I can offer, what I can contribute, but that my life experience has worth to other people. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a beautiful thing.
2: Yeah, and I think it's kind of this really—it's a cool problem to solve, right? As well, it's like this really neat Rubik's cube because <clears throat> the internet grew so quickly and is growing so quickly, and um, you know, on the one hand, it scaled really well. On the other hand, um, the design of how it scaled didn't really address this, i think—address this problem around how do you retain the most um, important, uh, highest quality aspects of what we want to affirm in our communications interactions with other people as it scaled. Mm. Um, and instead, it scaled in this way that was optimized around, or really around traffic, right? You know, right. slash money. But, um, you know, I mean, would you rather get one thoughtful email from somebody, right? Or, you know, a 100 that's, that are meaningless. Obviously, it's kind of, you know, most people would want the the one thoughtful one that's written to them. Would you rather, you know, see a 1,000 ads, right? Or would you rather get kind of like, one helpful, you know, blog post about, like, hey, if you're trying to make a decision on the best meal delivery service, right, to order, it's, like, you know, if you're looking for uh, quality of food, it's Home Chef or, you know, whatever else, right? right. Um, so, so it's kind of, like, we, we kind of lost that along the way. And the incentives aren't there, actually, for quality. There's no incentive, actually, for quality, really, right. um, unless it's in the mainstream. But the more niche you go, um, the less of an incentive there is. Um, so I think that's essentially the the problem that we're trying to rectify, correct.
1: So your, your goal, your mission, is, in a sense, a biblical one. You're trying to restore human dignity. You're trying to surface people's stories. You're trying to value the fact that we are created in the image of God and that we have something to share, that our worth is not in what we do or what we produce, but it's in who we are and what we've lived. And yet you're trying to advocate that in a context that's market driven that's money driven that's popularity driven Mm -hmm. what type of resonance or uh you know the 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 internet is not some faceless thing evil entity it's Mm -hmm. people that are looking for Mm -hmm. money it's people that are looking for popularity so on one hand i i can i can anticipate that your message, your goal, it resonates very deeply with people. But on the other hand, everybody wants to make money. Everybody wants to be famous. So what type of resonance or not have you experienced?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I've noticed three things uh, when you mention that. Number one, so we get two points of agreement, one point of disagreement. Number one, um, I have yet to run into anybody who has argued that what we have today is great. Number two, I've yet to run to anybody who argues that the vision for what we are casting is not great, not desirable, okay? Number three, usually where it splits, um, is whether or not the vision that we're casting is likely
1: Hmm.
2: or or feasible, right? And usually that discussion comes around to one of two things, but the the dominant one it really comes down to is, are the existing actors... um, Will they co-opt this vision, right? Because they control uh, the platform, and uh, I, th- I think about this a bit, and I-, I have lots of kind of responses depending on who I'm talking to. Um, but it, in some sense, even though like I can I can talk about this for a long time, it almost doesn't matter whether or not they can co-opt this or not. Like that's that's not really the problem, because the problem is in the last ten years, it's not that there have been uh that that this hasn't occurred because someone's co-opted it it's it hasn't occurred in part for for really two reasons. One is how do you actually like assemble an effort in this manner for something that um, is contrarian and that's kind of it, it, it's almost like don't even tell me how you're gonna monetize this because you're telling me that you're trying to actually undermine the systems. Of monetization that occur out there, yeah, right? yeah. So it's like it's like you know you've already eliminated pretty much every existing kind of you know mainstream model for monetization out there. It's really kind of this 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 question in my view, which is like if if every single person I'm talking to thinks that agrees on the problem statement, and then every single person I talk to argues that the proposal is desirable, that's like half of the problem solved right there in my view
1: but then it seems that you run up against what we always run up against which is our conflicted human nature. Yeah. Such that yeah, it's a great <laughs> idea. Yes, I'm all for it, but then when I go home, yeah, I post on my blog and I yeah. check my stats and I see yep. how many likes my Facebook posts yeah, yeah. received and yeah. you know, I want a certain thing. I want the internet to work a certain way, but at the same time that there's part of me that deeply desires that, I contribute to the exact opposite because that's our yeah. nature
2: so so we're making a bet on kind of that that number one as i mentioned before that people will recognize quality right that's that's one like key element so if that experiment had failed i think we'd be doomed right. <laughs> it's right. like you could build the most amazing high quality algorithms and platform and nobody would care
1: because all they want is popularity that's but right that, but that's not true but that's not true right. right
2: or so we believe right okay and so we hope but but also believe uh so that's kind of that's kind of one, one aspect of this, which is okay, people still care. But there's a second thing that we're betting on, which is um, that people, when when they recognize and experience it, they'll they'll they will have a personal experience with it. And so the example I give, I, I would offer, is um, my wife and I were chatting earlier this week, and we were commenting about how like okay, you know, my wife and I are quite different. And, and the the you know after a little bit of discussion we're like you know marriage is not about singing in unison it's about two notes coming together in harmony right and uh, we have a lot of issues right now I think in society that divide us um, it's a very divisive time like uh, you know one of our products is we send out email newsletters I opened one this morning for one of our customers and the top topic is um, let's just stop talking about all these divisive issues because it's gotten too rancorous, right? Right. We can't have any civil conversations anymore. You can't it's, even talk. Can't talk. So let's just not talk anymore. There's a site called, uh, sadly, they ran out of funding. But the, uh, up until they ran out of funding, there's a, a mental health nonprofit that my friend is on the board of called Reach Out. And I, I wasn't familiar until he told me about them because he's like, oh, you're doing forums. You should take a look at this form. And it's for teens uh, with mental, struggling with mental health issues. And uh, um, I've been learning more about mental health. Uh, OSMI is like this engineering-focused mental health group and and so forth, doing, you know, amazing things and stuff. So I went to this place, and it's like thousands of people who can come here to this place and talk to a real counselor and get, like, help with their issues. I found that fascinating. Uh, You and I also know somebody here in this community who, through their, they, they run a gaming company. Right. And uh, you know, one—I think it was during the holiday season—you uh, know—an end user reached out through the you know company chat, and you know, expressed uh, you know some issues that led to some concerns about their you know whether that they're mental health related, and they were able to find connect that person eventually with help and actually set up an entire program with a nonprofit to refer teenagers struggling. You know, with, with different psychological issues, emotional issues, yeah. with this nonprofit help. I mean, there are some pretty cool examples out there, um, and I, I think those are all. Yeah, I am. I'm very hopeful because those exist, and I think more of those types of interactions would occur uh, if there was actually space for it, and there was the room wasn't so loud, yeah. and we had it, the room was quiet enough for us to hear each other. And so, so the main thing that I that I hope for and that I believe is that when these voices kind of get aligned. The voices are all not really organized now and they're not prioritized. And, and so it's just a cacophony of, hey, I think blah, blah, blah. When you are actually able to put them in you know, the right space and the ordering, they come out as chords and you'll hear music. Instead of hearing noise,
1: yeah, it's a beautiful image.
2: Yeah, and there'll be jazz in one corner. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you can go to the corner you like. Yeah, best. you go to the
2: corner you like, and there'll be pop in another. But you know, every the notes will will find their place to play. Right, that's our belief.
1: Let me ask you a more general question. You're, you know, a person who grew up seeing technology change. You're now a father, looking at your children and hmm. thinking about the world they live in. What, just generally, what are you most optimistic for about technology broadly for your kids for the world for yourself what what are you most excited about so
2: i think one of the things that i found pretty interesting with watching our kids grow and develop is um how repetition and just like continued practice enables them to like learn grow um Iterate, build, kind of just either become better at something or build something better. And I think what I'm I'm most excited about for um, for my kids is, is they love creating things. Um, they have this something innate in them that just wants to create. And I know you've got a lot of thoughts on creation, yeah. So, yeah but but I, but I see it in them. It's like this drive. To you know, make
1: something to yeah exercise who yeah they are and express themselves. It's really incredible. New. Yeah,
2: and I think like um, I think a lot of people have that, and it's encouraged in some people, discouraged in others, and never never cultivated in other people. Right. So yeah. we're all across different different lines of spectrum. We try to encourage that, but I think about where they're going, and they talk about like what they want to create when they're older, right? And uh, like right now, they're really into cars. Right, and you know, we talk a little bit about like when are the flying cars coming? Right? right, and there's that billboard on 101 North. I think about you know where it says flying cars are coming. Time to register for online you know computer science courses. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah. so uh, this is the direction. Yeah, so I get excited about their ability to create, and I, I think I think um, not just the internet, but the internet in part, but really technology as a whole. Right. I think it's gonna. It's it's kind of like um, you know I guess. Yeah, you know, I love movies, so the movie I think of immediately is like Pacific Rim Uprising. It's like, you know, it's allowing you to get into this huge kind of machine and control it and be right. able to do amazing things with it, even though you're just a little tiny person inside controlling it. And and that's what I think technology enables you to do. I th- and I, I think it, it you and I've talked about a little bit how I don't want to steal your thunder from future discussions, but how, you know, interacting with technology, you've had experiences where it's it's giving you certain like sense of power and authority. And I think kids can feel that too. And I I think it's part of the reason I've reflected on that since we talked about it. And I think it's part of the reason why I actually am in tech is that it's really cool to change the way that I interact with nature the world yeah yeah even if it's just a faster phone charger
1: right haha it's i just better
2: i just bought time back right, right? i right. i've i've held the sun still right, right? In, my, in a minute way because i have a faster phone charger
1: <laughs> like, so I can, technology i mean it sounds to me like you're excited that you see this thing in your kids this innate desire to create that that i think is deeply human and you are optimistic that technology can fan that flame can Give them new yeah. avenues. Can yeah. can extend but, that. Can but but excite them.
2: Yeah, and I I am. But at the same time, I'm like I'm in no rush for them to to wield that mm. because uh, I mean this is like you know I'm, I'm not going to cite the the Pacific Rim movies, but like all these movies about like uh, about amazing technologies really have this kind of core theme, which is like it's never really the technology that's the issue it's some sense of judgment Hmm. or like, you know, judgment call or maturity or compassion is, is, is in, in the hands of the operator. So it goes back to that,
1: that human nature, that conflict and the same technology that extends our desire to create extends our darker desires. Exactly.
2: So like for me, like I love the fact that the kids spend a ton of time in history, in literature and so forth. Like, you know, my daughter's reading, uh, you know, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. She's just finished The Hobbit. She's going to Lord of the Rings trilogy. I, I think that's awesome because there's so much, you know, man versus self, yeah. man versus other struggle in there. And kind of like, you know, what are you going to create and why? And like, you know, what are the issues you're going to run into, right? And, uh, you know, the first lesson, I think that, that we were trying to teach them is that life isn't meant to be easy and how to deal with failure. Yeah. Now there's a second lesson, I think, which is, is, just as difficult which is how do you deal with success right. and how do you deal with power and what you're able to do not just what do you do when you can't control something you can't do something now what do you do when you have it and i actually think it's harder to be my experience has been it's harder to be faithful uh and true and kind and compassionate when actually you have power and you have authority and all you're these successful things. and powerful yeah exactly
1: so if that's what you're most excited about optimistically what what are you what are you afraid of I mean, you know, in your version of the dystopian technology run amok, what has happened? What is it just an internet that's purely monetized, or is there something darker? What what could go wrong? Well,
2: I mean, ultimately, I think the thing I worry about most is that um, they will be satisfied with just the internet; that it will numb numb them and their desire for for greater things it'll numb them and their desire for human connection um their desire for um an experience of community of being with other people it'll it'll numb them to the needs of other people right and so they will no longer want to help other people because other people are, are avatars right right like they're not people you can you cry because they're crying right opposite you you know what i mean Um,
1: and all of those things are, are a a loss of something human. Yeah. My own sense of self, my own sense of empathy, my own sense of charity of contribution.
2: Yeah. And it, and, and, and it's a loss of fidelity with who we are as humans. Right. And you know, like Westworld's kind of going into this in season two about fidelity, but it's like, yeah, we're like, I don't want them to lose touch with their humanity. Like that I think would be the, they they could become incredibly efficient at something and very influential, impactful. But if they lose lose touch with, with their ability to connect with other people and to be human, that would be tragic. Hmm. But you know, I, I fear in a sense that that is happening already. Right. You know, to to large parts of the online community and online population. Um. And so so you know, we try to think about how do we give the kids a worldview on technology. Where it it's not actually, if if you approach it as if it's neutral, which I think it actually it is kind of neutral, but you know it's like you you give somebody a knife, right? What are they going to do with it, right? Unfortunately, the first thing they, they'll do is probably poke somebody with it, right? right? Like, but you kind of want to get some guidance, like you could carve an interesting you know wood carving and or maybe you, you could learn you start by learn. poking somebody yeah but realizing yeah. that
1: that draws blood you could you don't go farther that's right
2: and and you can you know you could chop vegetables right or you know you could yeah. go hunting maybe or some of that but you don't have to harm someone you know like your your brother or sister right? Right. <laughs> sitting next to you and uh and so it's kind of like hey here's a very powerful tool right uh, as opposed to like, hey, go figure it out.
1: Yeah. Right? Give like, them some guidance. Yeah. Back to where we started. Yeah. They need wisdom. That, right. Tools need wisdom that mm-hmm. comes from experience and life and from a life that's lived through different seasons. Mm-hmm.
2: And and from other people who who care enough to sort through all of their experiences and find the right words and the right way to speak into
1: that person's life. In a right setting. In the right setting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, Paul. I really appreciate you chatting with me, thinking about truth and wisdom and authenticity and community, so many of these things that that we need and we talk about needing and technology sometimes obscures, but that we can be optimistic that technology can offer as well. So Appreciate your time. Appreciate you being with me. Thanks.
2: Happy to be here, and uh, thanks for having me. Um, I love what uh, All Things Tech uh, is thinking about, where it's going. And I'm excited to see uh, the conversations that emerge. Um, I think this is great. And uh, um, I'm I'm looking forward to getting a lot from this. Thanks. Cool. Thanks.
0: Thank you for listening to allthingsnew.tech. We hope you continue the conversation by subscribing to our blog at allthingsnew.tech. We have a variety of authors working together to develop a biblical framework for engaging with technology. Check it out. Join the conversation.